because sometimes music is the only thing that matters. Today, we are going to talk about a music residency at Gateway City Arts with our guest, Miros Prague. This is Radio Plasma, a space dedicated to the exchange of ideas, conversations, stories, music, performances, and randomness. Listen at radioplasma.com. Also, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Play, TuneIn, and Stitcher. We are in Gateway City Arts. I'm Johan Rashivega, and this is a session where we're going to talk about uh, residency that is going to bring opportunities to enjoy of music, but also to learn about music in different angles and perspectives. And we are honored to have today this conversation with such a talented musician, performer, composer, and educator, Miros Prague. Thank you and welcome. Thanks for having me, Johan. Glad to be here. Let's start talking about you, about your work, all the history behind your work as a musician. Sure. Particularly being so young and already so experienced. Uh, yeah, so I grew up uh, in this area in the Pioneer Valley, um, mostly in a little town called Shutesbury, which is next to Amherst. And interestingly, my parents are musicians, but I, as a younger child, wasn't necessarily interested in music primarily. I was into um, a lot of creative writing. I was reading a lot of fantasy and science fiction and would write a lot of stories. But then when I was 13, 12 or 13, uh, my father, John Sprague, gave me the classic Miles Davis album, Kind of Blue, you know, famous jazz recording. And uh, something about it, for some reason, hearing that album at that time, uh, was kind of like a light bulb went off and I just, I just fell in love with it and was just kind of entranced by the music. And for some reason, piano was what I gravitated towards. Maybe it's just because we had a piano in the house. And so that was my initial, when I really got the bug, was that from that recording and just trying to figure out what I could of that music by ear. So that was my initial starting point. Um, but then it quickly expanded from there. And I did get some piano teachers in the area and started playing with, you know, different groups around Western Massachusetts and then eventually moved to New York City to go to music school and uh, later moved to Los Angeles to go to graduate school and all sorts of things. Uh, and all the while, you know, performing professionally in a variety of settings, including with my family. So my father, John Sprague, plays piano. He plays the recorder. He plays percussion uh, a lot for dance. He plays for like dance classes and at the five colleges and for other like dance events. Uh, you know, we play together off and on, um, not, you know, any consistent basis, but he's always been very supportive of my music and has, has a very big collection of, of jazz that I've listened to. And we used to go to shows in Boston and New York sometimes. And then um, my mother, Morningstar Chenvin, and my stepfather, Moonlight Davis, are both primarily vocalists, and they sing together as a singing duo, Moonlight and Morningstar. And so I've been accompanying them pretty much, you know, since I was 14 or 15. And actually, Moonlight, actually both of them are going to be part of um, the final show at the Gateway City Arts Residency on April 5th. It's a feature for Moonlight uh, singing the music of Stevie Wonder. So that's, I guess, a little bit... <laughs> What a privilege of being able to perform, learn, enjoy, appreciate music, and perform with your family. 
It is. It's wonderful. Yeah, it's really beautiful to be able to share that. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Now, when when you mentioned that your first approach was kind of blue, that's one of the masterpieces of all <laughs> times. So you got pretty much started on jazz. Yeah. And yep. yeah. how hard was for you once you got initiated with jazz and start playing it in a way by ear when the theory and the techniques begins to get applied when you went to school of music? Right. Um, I mean, I guess I did. Yeah, my initial starting point was definitely by ear. But then I did get, you know, some background in theory. And before I actually went to music school officially, like I, I audited a class at Amherst College, which was a theory class when I was like 16 and, um, you know, had some teachers in the area. And I guess for whatever reason, it came to me pretty easily, kind of both sides, the ear part and the theory part. Because I also, you know, the theory is not the main thing, but I find it interesting. And there's a lot of, uh, you know, it's kind of like it works the mental part of it, I guess. So, yeah, it just came naturally to me. I can't really say why or how, but uh, I just kind of soaked up whatever I could as fast as I could. The other thing which I should mention is when I started playing piano when I was 13, that coincided with um, I left traditional school at that point. So I was technically a homeschooler at that point and was also a member of an alternative educational center, uh, which at the time was called Pathfinder Learning Center. It's now called North Star. Uh, it's in, now it's in Sunderland. It's moved around. At the time that I started, it was in Amherst, which is, of course, very close to where I was living. And so basically I'm mentioning that to say that at that time when I was 13, I had a lot more free time <laughs> than your average middle, middle school student. I mean, I, you know, I was taking some different classes and studying different things, but I didn't have like a large amount of homework and I didn't have to get up every morning at eight to go to middle school. And so basically I had more freedom to just really dive into music uh, with a certain amount of intensity and, you know, practice many hours a day and that sort of thing. So <laughs> it's kind of a lucky situation how that worked out. And how interesting that uh, now that you mentioned North Star, that model is what we have right now here in Holyoke with Lighthouse. That's correct. Yeah, Catherine Gabron. Yeah, I know Catherine. Um, actually, my f I should have mentioned this too. My father, uh, John Sprague, teaches at North Star and has taught there for many years. Uh, of course, Catherine was working at North Star prior to, was the program director, prior to starting uh, Lighthouse. So anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you went to schools in New York and Los Angeles, what was the particular knowledge that you got opportunity to get from mm. two different places, so rich in culture mm. and music influence? Mm. Uh, I, went to, yeah, I went to New York City for my undergraduate. I studied at Manhattan School of Music, uh, which is uptown around 122nd Street. And a lot of what happened was just kind of a big culture shock, <laughs> at least at first, you know, moving from growing, living my whole life at that point in the, in the Pioneer Valley, you know, mostly in like the woods and Shutesbury and moving to New York City uh, was kind of overwhelming in a lot of ways, but very, very inspiring. And I remember um, just going to see so much music, particularly that first year, um, just kind of being amazed, you know, every night you look at the calendar of who was playing and there would be, you know, 10 things <laughs> you'd want to go see. And then also the other part of it was, you know, all the students at Manhattan School And I was living in the dorms there. And so there was practice rooms on the second floor of the dormitory that were open 24 hours. <laughs> so we would have these, you know, late night jam sessions, you know, most nights 
going on until like four in the morning. And, and it was kind of, um, the feeling I had was that most of the people there at Manhattan School of Music were in their local area were like one of the best, you know, like young musicians. And then they had all kind of come to the city to be kind of get that next level of training and just exposure to the best, you know, best music in the world. So yeah, that was my, I guess a little bit of my experience in New York. And of course, you know, the various professors that I met also. And the thing I like about New York is I feel like it's, I mean, it's similar in Los Angeles too. Uh, because it's such a mecca, everything is kind of jammed together. So you might go to, you know, some jam session that seems kind of like some small thing, but then some famous musician that you've only heard on record will just happen to walk in and sit in. Or <laughs> uh, So, there, you know, a lot of experiences like that. And then um, the program I went to in Los Angeles was a bit different. This, of course, many years later. I took some time off also in between undergrad and graduate. So I ended up going to a program called the Thelonious Monk Institute of Jazz Performance, uh, which is a master's degree program, but it's, it's fairly unusual. It's only... So every two years, there's one ensemble that's kind of selected, not selected as an ensemble, but like between six and eight people are selected to be part of a band for two years. And that's the program is this band. <laughs> and then that group is like coached and kind of mentored by a wide number of really amazing, famous jazz musicians, including Herbie Hancock and Wayne Shorter, kind of on the top of the list. But many, many others uh, when I was there Ron Carter worked with us, Jimmy Heath, uh, Nicholas Payton, Terry Lynn Carrington, uh, Lewis Nash. Uh, it was just kind of list went on and on. Uh, and it's free. It's all expenses paid if you get in. And they actually provide you housing, and they actually give you a stipend <laughs> for living expenses. So it's pretty much the dream thing. And accordingly, it's extremely hard to get into. So it was quite a process, very intensive, and definitely kind of took everything that I had. But I was able to get in, which was a dream come true. And the program was a dream come true, getting to meet uh, many of my heroes and play their music with them, for them, kind of hear their stories. And then also to have this time with this one ensemble where we could really develop uh, music together as a group. And actually, it, it, in our particular case, it really gelled well to the point that we recorded a couple albums together as a group and have stayed together as a band under the name Holofunner. Uh, actually, we performed at Gateway City Arts before with that group a couple of years back. Uh, it's tricky now because everyone has their own career and is spread out, so we don't get to play together very often, but we have kind of kept that musical connection. So it's a very special experience for me in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah. And when you mentioned some of the names and this dream of being in a place with such a vast list of resources not only the, the ones that are physical, but also the knowledge and the mm -hmm. experiences. Mm -hmm. What other influences you got the chance to participate, especially doing those jams mm -hmm. and knowing that jazz pretty much gets well with everything? Mm. Uh, meaning like other musical influences? Yes. Or, yeah, yeah. Um, well, yeah, I guess a lot. I mean, thinking back to my Manhattan School of Music days, um, I was part of a group that my roommate at the time was a piano player also. And so we wanted to somehow, we played together a lot, the two of us, and we wanted to figure out some way that we could be in a band together. And we ended up forming this group, which, so I would play acoustic piano. He was playing an electric piano, like a Fender Rhodes. And then we had a guitar player and a saxophonist, bass player and drummer, kind of a cooperative band called the Paisleys. And that was kind of more from a, 
I guess like jazz fusion side, you know, kind of with a definite like electric rock influence. Um, so there was, you know, that kind of going around. We also would do a lot of just like free improvising. Uh, I remember we would do some sessions where we would just turn out the lights <laughs> and just, just improvise with not, you know, not trying to play jazz or trying to play this or that, but just kind of like going with whatever everybody heard in the moment. So it was that side of things. Then also one thing that was cool at both Manhattan School of Music and the Monk Institute is there was a lot of classical uh, music around. I mean, Manhattan School of Music, of course, is a you know, long-time conservatory, and the majority of the students there are classical musicians. And so there was opportunities to collaborate with the musicians in the classical department and kind of uh, study that music. Some of the classes were involved with studying uh, classical literature. And so definitely that, and that was also happening at the Monk Institute to some degree. We had an assignment where we had to write a kind of a larger piece using our band plus musicians from the classical department at UCLA. The Monk Institute is based at UCLA. And then also UCLA is, is known for having a pretty extensive world music department. Mm-hmm. So they have various, like, a various from various traditions. There's, like, music of Mexico program, India, uh, Brazil, different things. So anyway, this project also we had to include some, some musicians from that department as well. Um, so that was just one example of some of the sort of collaborative things that went on. And, um, yeah, and then just, you know, being in a city like L.A. or New York, of course, there's always uh, all sorts of things to check out, also like visual art and dance and all kinds of things. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it sounds like uh, between playing with this, uh, experimenting with the third stream yeah. and a little <laughs> bit of world yeah. music, yeah. world fusion, yeah. a lot of fun yeah. making, <laughs> making music. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So your residency begins on April 2nd, and it's going to be four nights of different approaches mm. to music. And you mentioned the last one is going to be celebrating the music of Stevie Wonder. Yeah, so right. let's <laughs> go night by night, starting on Tuesday, April 2nd at Gateway City Arts. You're going to be playing with uh, Dominique E. Yeah. So um, this is only my second concert with Dominique. We played a concert as part of the Northampton Jazz Festival back in October. Um, but I met her a few years before that. We both uh, teach at a jazz camp called Interplay Jazz, uh, which is in Vermont. Um, actually, this year it's going to be in New Hampshire, but in the past it's been in uh, Woodstock, Vermont. And so anyway, I had a chance to accompany Dominique's classes where she was teaching uh, various vocal students. And she's a phenomenal teacher, first off. She's been um, on the faculty of New England Conservatory for like 35 years. She's kind of like one of the most amazing kind of always knows what the person needs. Um, but then in terms of her own singing, she's just incredible, kind of can do anything as a vocalist. And her, you know, it's always, you know, clear, you can hear every word. Uh, and then at the same time, she's a great improviser, like really, like a musician's musician. And you can really uh, play the same way that you would with, you know, like a great saxophonist or anything like that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a thrill for me to play with her. The show that we did back in October was definitely one of my favorite, uh, you know, concerts I've been a part of up until this point. And she lives in Boston, and I'm, you know, grateful that she is willing to make the trip out here and be a part of it. So I'm very excited about that. For Wednesday, April 3rd, it's going to be the second night of your residency, and it's going to be featuring the Mirosprek Trio. Yeah, so this is, you know, the classic piano, bass, drums, jazz trio setting. 
the bass player, Marty Jaffe, is uh, a longtime collaborator of mine, uh, also from Western Mass. I met him, um, I guess, probably, let's see, maybe nine, ten or, nine or ten years ago. Uh, he's, a, he's a good bit younger than me. When I met him, he was 12, I think, and I was like 21. <laughs> so he's quite a prodigy. Uh, his parents are also great musicians, and uh, he's really an exceptional musician, and we play together with a variety of contexts. Um, and he actually introduced me to the drummer, Jimmy McBride, who is an amazing drummer, one of the most like in-demand young drummers in New York City. And Jimmy and Marty and I played a gig together a few years back, which I loved, and then we've played a couple informal uh, session since then. But similarly to Dominique, for this exact trio, this is only the second uh, public concert. So pretty excited about it. Um, going down to New York tomorrow, actually, to rehearse with them. And um, Yeah, so that'll be, you know, a lot of my original music and some arrangement, a few, you know, jazz standards arranged and uh, I think one of Marty's tunes. And yeah. Which sounds a uh, perfect fit considering that it's the, your residence is happening during April, Jazz Appreciation Month. That's right, yeah. I didn't even, when this residency was originally being scheduled, uh, that didn't, you know, I didn't like remember that at first. And then later when I was talking with uh, one of the people working here at Gateway, kind of like, oh yeah, yeah, April is Jazz Appreciation Month. And it's, yeah, it's cool. <laughs> it's cool how that worked out. Yeah. So the third night on Thursday, April 4th, then is going to be a quintet setup. Yeah, so this is um, a quintet, and the way that I've conceived it is kind of a cooperative group, kind of co-led by myself, Marty Jaffe, who I already mentioned, and the guitar player, Jason Ennis. Uh, and it's kind of an expansion of a gig. The three of us, just um, Jason, Marty, and I, did a concert maybe six months ago in the Berkshires uh, as a collaborative trio kind of playing equally each of our music. I really, really enjoyed it, and it seemed just like a really nice chemistry. So I wanted to present that here, but I decided to expand it into the quintet setting and, and have an, another opportunity to play with Jimmy McBride, the drummer from the night before, and then adding my good friend Michael Zoldis, great saxophonist, who is a member of a quintet I've played with in the past, which I've recorded with. Uh, so it just kind of, it sort of just all clicked, and Michael actually performs a lot with Jason Ennis's group and knows his music. So, and we've, we've all been friends for a long time, and so that's kind of the concept of that that night. And that'll have some uh, a bit more Brazilian influence. Mm -hmm. uh, Jason, you know, is an American from from the Berkshires, but for many years has been pretty deep into Brazilian music and has gone to Brazil and studied it. And he plays the seven string uh, classical guitar, which is kind of a standard thing in Brazilian music. And anyway, just that's definitely a strong influence in his music. And uh, Marty and I also both kind of checked out that music to some degree. So that'll be in there. And then uh, some sort of, I don't know if it's exactly chamber music, but kind of thinking of the, the interaction of the larger ensemble and the different voices and some of that element and uh, some funky stuff in there and, you know, a lot of different things. So again, the fusion between <laughs> the, the third stream, uh, world music, and now even including... Um, Music from Brazil. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and this is just putting the flavor for what is going to be the closing night on <laughs> April 5th, on Friday, celebrating the music of Stevie Wonder. Yeah. So this is, um, so Moonlight Davis, my stepfather, uh, is an amazing singer, wonderful, powerful, you know, grew up singing in, in church in Philadelphia and just kind of has a amazing, uh, soulful sound. We've been playing together for years. And uh, a few years ago, we kind of started conceiving this idea of presenting a concert of, um, you know, the music of one composer. 
uh, we did one, the first one before we got into Stevie Wonder, we did a show of the music of Gregory Porter, who's a more uh, younger, you know, singer, jazz singer, and also great songwriter. And that was very successful. And then we started thinking, you know, maybe we should, you know, try a different artist. And sort of the first name that jumped up to us after that was Stevie Wonder, uh, for many obvious reasons, obviously such an amazing, um, you know, songwriter, musician, vocalist, everything. And I feel like, to me, Stevie is kind of a undercover or maybe not so undercover jazz musician in the sense that his music, if you really listen to it, they're like jazz standards, basically. Um, you know, maybe with a different, you know, sonic instrumentation or a different groove or whatever, but the quality of the music is so high. So, yeah, we've presented two of these concerts in the past. The first one was, I think, a, like a year and a half ago. We did a show in, in Greenfield, and then a year ago we put on a show in Vermont, and they've both been just amazing experiences. We've managed to keep the same uh, backing group for all of the shows, basically, and that also includes Jason Ennis, so he'll be there for two nights, and then a great drummer named Connor Meehan, uh, bass player John Suters, a drum player named Don Anderson, and then uh, my mom, Morningstar Chenbin, will be singing backing vocals and one or two duets with Moonlight. And then we have two other uh, backup singers, Lou Leland and Lori DiDonato. So it's a larger group, and we're able to, like, really, uh, you know, <laughs> do the best we can to really bring the music forward. And it's always, um, you know, definitely for dancing also, and just very exciting, energetic. I love it. I've learned a lot also just really listening to Stevie's music and kind of checking out all, everything that's going on, all the parts, and uh, it's been a, you know, really great experience. Something that I that I see as one of the most relevant aspects of doing this residency is that you are featuring talent, all are from the region, mm. all are from the Pioneer Valley, from this region, this area, and usually when we think about jazz scenes, mm. of course, the first connections are New York, Los Angeles, right. <laughs> but the Pioneer Valley and New England overall has a lot of talent mm -hmm. that sometimes goes unnoticed mm -hmm. or not recognized right, enough. Right, right. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, I mean, I've always, um, I think, thinking about it kind of in retrospect, I feel very glad that I grew up here. Obviously, there's all the kind of like natural beauty countryside part of it, which is great. But uh, in terms of being able to be in that environment combined with being in an environment that's pretty rich culturally, Uh, and all the, you know, some of that has to do with, you know, the various programs at the various colleges and the faculty and kind of the history of that. And there's a lot of history, like people like, you know, Max Roach and Youssef Latif and Archie Shep, who have taught at UMass and actually grew up down the road from Youssef Latif, people like that. Billy Taylor, who I met through the Jazz in July program I used to go to as a teenager. Um, and yeah, just, you know, there definitely is a lot. So what will be your message for the public to enjoy of every one of your nights of residency at Gateway City Arts? Mm. Um, yeah, well, it's, you know, each night is going to be definitely its own unique uh, concert, kind of building an energy in terms of, I didn't necessarily originally think I was going to do this, but it's, you know, starting with, you know, piano vocal duo, then piano bass drums, then piano bass drums, guitar, saxophone, And then finally, like, the larger ensemble with, you know, Moonlight as the lead vocalist and backing singers and horns and everything. And, yeah, a wide range of music, a lot of original music, but also, you know, standards. And um, Dominique, actually, is a great songwriter, so I'll be playing some of her music on the first night. 
And uh, I think kind of a good balance, too, between music that's more kind of improvised and kind of freely constructed versus some things that are much more, you know, specifically arranged and kind of, you know, worked out. So trying to balance those two things, I guess. Yeah, and just some great musicians. I mean, these are, you know, all friends of mine who have, most of whom I've known for years, some of whom are a bit newer, but um, just a lot of great camaraderie, I think, and chemistry among everyone. And that's what it makes the connection and the bonding to create awesome music, especially when we're talking about jazz and, mm -hmm. and that energy that only is perceived when you are seeing the musicians performing mm -hmm. and looking at each other mm -hmm. and connecting and mm -hmm. following the magic that happens at the moment. Mm. Yeah, that's true. That's so true. Yeah, it's like, uh, and you know, the audience is part of is part of the music. More like more and more over the years, I really uh, really feel that. You know, <laughs> it's like, yeah, there's the musicians and the audience, but really it's like everyone is, is creating something together. So, yeah, come be a part of it. Could it be possible to listen to some of your music? Yes. Yeah, happy to play something. Um, yeah, let's see. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll play a blues. This is kind of referencing um, kind of the musical talent in this area. This is a, a piece that I wrote in dedication to two wonderful saxophonists who unfortunately uh, we lost this year. Uh, first one is Scott Mullet, who's a great tenor player based in New Hampshire, a uh, really wonderful, powerful musician who was very supportive to me in my earlier years. Um, and then the second is uh, Charles Neville of the Neville Brothers, who lived in West, Western Massachusetts for many, many years, and who I also had the fortune to play with. It was also a very, very encouraging presence to many musicians in the area. So this is a blues that I dedicated to them. It was called Blues for Scott and Charles. This is our session with Miro Spray, and we are enjoying now a little sample of what is going to be music during his residency here at the Gateway City Arts.
What are your thoughts when you're playing? Mm. <laughs> um, I mean, in general, I try not to be thinking in the sense of just uh, letting the music flow, I guess, for lack of a better better term, and just expressing. It's kind of hard to talk about, I guess. And, you know, it's different playing solo versus playing with other musicians in the sense that, you know, the instant that you're performing with another musician, there's obviously the element of dialogue and communication um, and, you know, listening to what's being said by the other artists and how you kind of respond to that. And uh, so playing solo is sort of a unique thing, which I also love in a different way, uh, where it's, you know, fully on you to kind of uh, create the sound world, I guess. Uh, but it's fun because there's a lot of freedom. You don't have to, you can kind of follow follow your fancy, I guess, you know, more like stream of consciousness a little bit. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say what I'm, I try not to be thinking in general, I would say. <laughs> I think like thinking is kind of, you know, when you're practicing away from, you know, the bandstand, you kind of think about like, okay, what do I want to work on? You know, what are things that I want to improve? You know, you might listen back to a recording and sort of analyze it or analyze someone else's recording that you're trying to learn from those sort of things. But when it comes to actually performing, that's when you kind of let that, you let that go. It's in there. You don't have to, you can trust that all the knowledge that you have is going to come forth as needed, I guess. Um, so something like that. <laughs> and I think that in itself is a great advice for many musicians in the work of figuring out their way. Because mm. sometimes when technique becomes one of the biggest challenges to tackle down. Mm. When you're playing, you are thinking about following the steps of the technique and mm. sometimes that is when you mention the balance, that is exactly the, the key mm. to figuring out how to be able to perform properly but at the same time to get that emotion <laughs> infused in the sounds that you are generating. Mm. Yeah, it's really expressing your your soul, you know. It's one thing I think about a lot recently is like uh, what makes the music speak is the life of the person that's performing and like really finding however you can to put your whole self into your sound, you know. And that's kind of like, you know, whatever gets in the way of that, maybe you notice, you can notice that and then maybe it's something you need to, you know, practice because, you know, let's say you, you're hearing something in your head but you can't you know, get to it technically, then that's an example of where you need to practice. So in the future, you can express that without there being an impediment. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> anyway, for me, it's just always trying to like figure out how I can more and more, you know, express my whole self in my art, basically. So there's going to be four nights to enjoy and appreciate different angles of music having jazz as the axis of it and your residency is going to be certainly a homage to the jazz scene in the pioneer valley because a lot of local talent mm -hmm. and yeah. the perfect opportunity to bring more people to enjoy it and appreciate it, particularly celebrating mm. April Jazz Appreciation Month. So mm. I think everything is aligned to happen <laughs> and to have a perfect environment for a perfect four-night residency. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, really excited about it. 
So all of this is happening at Gateway City Arts, 92 Ray Street in Holick, Massachusetts. And of course, the invitation is for you to attend, if not the four, at least one of them, and enjoy the music by Miro Sprague and the different proposals of creating and sharing mm-hmm. jazz mm-hmm. and music in general. How can the public get to know more about your work and listen to your music? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, well, you can definitely visit my website, which is just my full name, uh, mirosprague.com, M-I-R-O-S-P-R-A-G-U-E.com. Uh, I have, you know, my bio up there and definitely some selected uh, selected music. I also have just a YouTube channel, which uh, you can check out. And there's information on the Gateway website also about the other performers. And you can see some videos of some of the other performers there. Yeah, I'm on all the social media if you want to check that out. <laughs> and yeah, yep. Any last remarks? Uh, no, just thanks Thanks for having me. Thanks for doing this. And um, yeah, hope to see you, uh, see some of you out there next week. So this is our conversation with Miro Sprague here in Gateway City Arts. Just a few days before the beginning of his residency, beginning on April 2nd at Gateway City Arts. And as mentioned, all this information is available on gatewaycityarts.com website and also on our own radioplasma.com where you can also get information about Miro's music and follow all the presentations and future events happening. So Miro, thank you so much for being here with us today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Johan. So this is... Another session of Radio Plasma that has been recorded and produced here in Gateway City Arts in Holyoke, Massachusetts. I'm Johan Rashi Vega. Thank you for listening. <laughs>